All right, hey everybody. Welcome to Surviving Danger Close. Uh, today we are going to be talking about secondary trauma, and I'm sure we'll get on to other tangents like we do every other episode. Uh, but today we have a special guest, Ken Patrick Lynn. I totally, I've known you for how long, Ken? And I just said your name. Really I don't weird. know. I don't um, know how long. Right? What has it been? 10 years? More than that, uh, Jared? More, more than that, I think. Because I think I was only living here for about okay. a year We've been before we uh, started. Here over 30. Uh, my, oh, I've, only, I've been here since My oldest son is 35. So it's probably 34 years. I've, well, 35 years we've been here. So. I don't know how long I've been. Uh, but Ken, Ken, your position is, uh, we call you Director of Warriors yes. Hope? or, or Yes, chair I'm the director. Or, okay. I am the director. All right. Yeah, I don't look like a chair. You so. don't look like Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> 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 they say I look like a Mr. Oh, Noodle. Oh. <laughs> I can picture that now. <laughs> Everybody does. Mr. Mr. Noodle. <laughs> There it is. You I didn't start out with the jokes this time. I know. Right. Well, he, he pitched it right now. There the you go. He's the host. Right? You know, he's our guest, so we yeah. got to. Well, oh, gotta we got our first comment. Home. Hello, Amanda. You know, she's down in Three Rivers right now. So she's Who is? Amanda. Oh, really? Yeah, she's huh. down in Three Rivers visiting uh, some family. So thanks for joining us and tuning in while you're Mine with your family. It don't have any i can't look at the comments because i guess i'm not as important as you guys are so well director this is our show <laughs> there you go i know i've known ken pretty much all my life so mm -hmm. um 39 horrible years i mean um 39 years and uh ken actually used to work with my parents at a little known place called okay. teen ranch i know that place and I remember you telling me. Are a story you a resident? <laughs> I remember you telling me a story about driving, riding around my house on a bike. Probably the t kid that was terrorizing the neighborhood. I probably confronted you at least once or twice too. No, I never. While you were driving. stopped. <laughs> <laughs> I won't say his name, but there's a special police officer that hated kids, and uh, there uh -huh. in where I grew up. And yes, he he usually followed me home. <laughs> <sighs> Yeah. Oh, I know that, man. Oh, I'm sure you do. <laughs> my, my dad and him have talked many a times over the years. <laughs> I was innocent of all charges. Just don't look at my juvie record. <laughs> there you go. Uh, uh, yeah, I've known Ken for a while, and then we linked up back in 2015 yeah. at the end. Mm -hmm. um, he was actually talking at a event that my wife was at. And all of a sudden, I get a call from her and says, hey, this guy's talking about wanting to work with veterans. He's looking to start a program. And, you know, with I had just, I was in the middle of my master's, which mm -hmm. was conferred yesterday. So I am. Yes. Congratulations. So yes. I get to change the uh, signature, uh, signature block behind my name mm -hmm. now. Um, I just, I just remember, got to remember the last one consistently. Now I got to remember this one. Um, and so I uh, got the call and she says, yeah, he and his wife are here. They're talking, they got this great program they want to do. Good heart for, for the uh, veterans and you should meet him. The name's Ken Patrick. It's like, he didn't happen to work at teen ranch. Did he? And she goes, well, yeah, yeah, he did. I'm like, oh. I don't need to meet him then. I've already met him. <laughs> uh, and that is really where I got on board with Warriors Hope. Um, I'm the assistant director there. I'm the one that uh, pretty much supposed to oppose him at every stop. I mean, um, and he does support him at every stop. <laughs> Keeps me in line. Um, the other side of that story is interesting, though, because I was at a, it's called MOPS. It's Mothers of Preschoolers, and my wife mm -hmm. and I were talking about children and parents and stuff. And so I was sitting across from his wife and she said, well, what do you do? And so I was telling her about this Warriors Hope. And uh, she said, oh, my husband's a veteran. I said, I should meet him sometime. She said, he's out in the car. I'll go get him. I went, oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> at that time, we lived right across the road from the church that they were doing mm -hmm. that organization at. And I had just gotten laid off 
from one position that I had the company shut down. So I had a little bit of free time and uh, she was like, get over here now and pick me up, pick the kids up and then you can walk home. So no, I'm not going to be quiet, John. I see you over no. here doing this little shush. No, my, my, my two-year-old's coming in to say hello. He's telling his kids to be quiet. <laughs> Um, he's busy. Right. But you don't know busy, Dad. Yeah. Jared, what did you say about getting off on tangents? There, right, exactly. <laughs> so and that's where Warriors Hope came from. And actually it was through Ken and his heart and his ministry that put me on the path to the recovery that I'm on now. Uh at the time I had, oh, my wife just came on. She says, you're welcome. Yes. Um, I thought I heard an echo of my voice. I thought it was here, but I think it's coming from out there. <laughs> and she, or when Ken and I got together and started working on this, I had just started to admit I was a veteran for the longest time. I wouldn't stand up when, you know, I think we've discussed this before. And it wasn't that I was ashamed of it. It was, I had lost the the mission i didn't find what i needed to do what was important to me i mean my family obviously was important my mission was to take care of them but i didn't know who i was i knew i was a husband i knew i was a dad i got that done i just lost my job um and it was a sudden i mean you kind of saw the writing on the wall stuff wasn't you know when you're paying more bills out than are coming in yeah, you're not going to last long. Um, and so at that time, it was kind of a transition of, you know, who am I going to become? And I just started my master's for, you know, going into counseling. And Ken sat down with me. And it was, wasn't was that long after that, after we got talking and started this thing, and I got his uh, uh, passion, because uh, he's never been in the military. And... I, you know, and I flat out, I don't know if I was rude or nothing, but I just flat out said, you know, you're going to have, you're going to struggle unless you get a veteran in there. He goes, well, I'm talking to one. <laughs> and that's kind of my interview into the assistant director. <laughs> that's, that's, and, that's how um, Ken gets people involved in things. Too. Yeah. yeah. Like, well, you know, Jared, oh, you're, you're, you're like a Jared involved in that. <laughs> and so. Why do you think um, he became the community director of the drama <laughs> right <laughs> there there's a story we got to cover next time john <laughs> we'll do that one off camera <laughs> and so and then i started realizing through ken um i'll kind of give some of his background as much as you know correct me if i'm mm -hmm. if i make so, a mistake or you know we'll just edit it out and you've been a therapist a certified therapist for 30 over 35 years right yeah i retired at 40 years in november 40 years yep, yep. so yeah 40 is bigger than 35 mm -hmm. um and he he actually helped me get my first job in uh counseling with uh, a local establishment here and I did substance use therapy, and uh, he's, wow, there's, I don't even know where to start with you, Ken. Um, <laughs> because of him, we were connected with Warrior uh, Hopewell Ranch that we had on a few weeks ago, and uh, his passion for veterans for not having served is phenomenal, and I don't want to take too much of your fire away, Ken, but the biggest thing that got me hooked from the, the, the word go was you said that the mental health community, and I don't think I'll ever forget it, the mental health community has failed our veteran community. Mm -hmm. And um, I know this is, Warrior's Hope is mainly for veterans. And so when we talk about veterans, you know, I also think that the mental health community has failed our first responders as too. Um, just because of, you know, uh, some of the things John and I have talked about and some of the things that are available for first responders, it's just not enough. And as I have heard you know, you and some of it is about this, it's ahead. been amazing. Yeah, as I've heard you guys talk about this, I've seen some of your podcasts, and it just made me think, you know, the trauma that the first responders go through is very similar, if not very much the same, because you're doing a 
your veterans are fighting a war um, kind of on other land on on other play in other places where the first responders are fighting a war in their place where they are so it's the same type of a war and it's the same type of emotional injury i think but it's just a different venue that's what it looks like to me sure is that right you know, it is right oh, yeah. you know we we work um within our communities that we live in and unfortunately there are times where you know we know the victims uh, whether they pass away of natural causes or are victim of a crash or something significant, you know, it's, it's, um, you know, we're, we're speaking or finding people that we know, uh, you know, we go to church with, or we attend functions with, um, you know, and, and it makes things awkward, you know, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's challenging to, to live and work in our communities with friends and family you know, that we share, unfortunately, bad news with. Mm -hmm. So the trauma can be very similar, I would think. I mean, externally, it might be different because the veteran may not be experiencing death or destruction of somebody near to them. It, but it is because they have brothers and mm -hmm. sisters in the military as well. Sure. But it's they don't come across, you know, like all of a sudden out of the blue, you come to, oh, no, this is my neighbor. Or right, absolutely. The motto for Warriors Hope is one that I've always enjoyed saying. It's um, winning the battle after the war. And for veterans, that means a lot. The war is over for for me. Um, you know, John, you still have to go for your shifts. So, you know, you still got for you that's still after the call. But for the veterans, the war is over. But that doesn't mean the battle's over. And one thing that you know I've always respected Ken for is his work with people and uh, family of the veterans. And that's what I wanted to focus on. That's why I brought up the topic to you guys was um, the, the secondary trauma. Now, for secondary trauma, that's those family members who go through the trauma and have the same results as the veteran or the first response but they have not physically been involved in the action that caused the trauma, but they still mm -hmm. have the same effects because they see the, the, the anger, the arguments, the mood swings. Um, they still see the effects of how they have to tiptoe around. I know my wife has said it many mm -hmm. times to me. That's like walking on eggshells egg around you. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. um, and it's, yeah, that slightest little thing will set you off, especially when I was in the middle of this before I, I, before I wanted to get help. It was, you know, and then I could see how what I was doing was affecting my own family. And I know at the beginning, I used Ken more as a friend therapist than as, you know, so the start of Warrior's Help was pretty much, hey, uh, uh, I, I know I knew this, but I wasn't admitting it outwardly. My wife was saying, Hey, let's go talk to Ken. You need to call Ken on this. You need to. And I realized the more she said to call Ken, the more I realized, okay, there's something I need to hold on and, and there's something I'm missing. And uh, Ken, why don't you uh, uh, go ahead and speak on secondary trauma and what you've seen in your 40 years of experience. When you were saying that, I got to thinking one of the differences I think with, spouses or family of the trauma victim is that they are also traumatized, but they're not just experiencing a vicarious trauma from what you've experienced or what John or somebody has experienced, but they're also having their own trauma because trauma has to do with the assault on your emotions and assault mm -hmm. on your whole system. And your system doesn't know what to do with that assault. And so what's happened is your wife reacts to you. Well, she has her own emotional reaction, but she's her her system is saying, I'm being assaulted right now, either emotionally or whatever. You know, it's kind of having a drastic, and if it happens more than once, that's where it becomes almost like a secondary PTSD too. It could be because it's, you know, they're experiencing their own um, type of trauma. It may not be physical, but it's their own kind of an emotional trauma because do I talk to him? Do I not talk to him? What do I do? I'm scared. I don't know if I should, you know, all that stuff is our, our trauma reactions, really. Um, so the family 
has their own, and each member of the family could have a different response to that trauma as well. So, you know, like John is a two-year-old. Um, his two-year-old may do things, and they might say she's acting up or she's, but it may just be a trauma response. It may just be a response for her own, of her own little two-year-old response to her, her anxiety or stress or whatever it is. So there's a lot of that that I think families need to give each other I always tell families when I deal with this is you got to give each other permission to be emotional. You know, it's like you got to, if, if you're react, if I'm having a trauma reaction and you're getting all mad, well, that may be your response to my anxiety or my depression or my um, denial or whatever it is, you know, whatever the symptom is. So it, it, that's hard because it's negotiating to, you know, you're kind of trying to navigate through, family life and be healthy with it but how do you get healthy if everybody's having a trauma reaction over things so that's the hardest part i think of families and you know i guess a question for both you guys as being counselors um or in that realm of help uh a lot of times i i, I was talking with a coworker today or a friend today and she, you know they were saying that uh you know they they weren't able to continue with their their counseling and they, they didn't feel the counselor was, you know, talking much. Um, it, it, you know, it felt like that they were doing all the talking. And I said, well, that's kind of, kind of how it goes has been in my experience. You know, um, I talk and, and my doc listens and he kind of points me or guides me into a direction to, Hey, John, maybe you should look at it this way. And a lot of times I think if families took PTSD seriously and the vicarious trauma, and these are terms that, quite frankly, I think are new to families, mm -hmm. um, new to veterans, new to first responders. Uh, I, I, I do see it in the first responder realm. It, it's gaining traction uh, over in the last really year to two years. Uh, when I started the trauma team here in Tuscola County, uh, you know, we really were kind of the spear tip of this. <clears throat> Excuse me. But I feel families not only need to know about these things, but they also need to know how to communicate. Mm -hmm. Uh, to each other about what they are experiencing. What do you, what do you think about that, Ken? What are some tips for our families, right. for uh, whoever the husband or wife may do, uh, whether they work in an emergency room or the wife's the first responder? Because we do have some female veterans out there right. and the husbands were the dependents. Right. So what are some ways that we can think of, think about that or talk about that? with What I have told a lot of couples is a lot of and it is most couples I've done a lot of couples work not just with trauma but with everything and most couples their biggest struggle that almost leads to divorce sometimes is communication they just don't know how to express themselves to each other without the other one blowing their corks and so um, I think with this whole um, trauma thing is teaching them how to instead of just reacting emotionally is to be able to express what they're thinking and feeling. It's like, I am feeling alone or I am feeling attacked or by what you say. And then for the other one, not to get all upset. It's, there was a book I read many, many, many years ago. I think it's out of print now. It's called the I feel formula. It's a very, <laughs> it's about this stick, but I can tell you in one sentence what it's about. It's you say, I feel this when you do that or say that to me. It doesn't mean you have to change it. It just means I'm now able to verbalize when you say that to me or do that, I feel this way. <clears throat> and many times it helps the other person say, wow, I never knew. That's why he gets so upset because he's feeling alone and I'm separating from him. Well, of course he's going to get worse. You know, and some of this is when I work with PTSD and I work with veterans or people who have that, I look at it as we're trying to reconnect the pieces that have been disconnected or been screwed up because when you're in a in a crisis situation or in a trauma situation your brain god has made your brain in such a way where it protects the system so it's going to either shatter those terrible things or it's going to put them in places where you can't find them right away well then the brain finds them when things happen and pulls them out and so it's to be able to start putting those things I've told people before, you don't have a mental health disorder, you just have to reorganize your thought process because things are getting all twisted or out of shape. And so um, what I've done is I've had them like, I'm trying to explain, how can I explain this? Like reorder 
their thoughts. It's like, instead of this is dangerous, now it's this is not dangerous. Or, you know, it's the whole thing about flight or fight, fear or fear or not. Is this a danger? Like, you know, your whole thing about danger. Is this a dangerous situation or is it just an uncomfortable situation? And help them to be able to express it to somebody. It's like, I just really am feeling scared right now. Instead of flashing out or doing whatever. Does that make sense, John? It, it does make sense. And, uh, you know, it's, it's good to have uh, uh, this discussion with you because I feel that these are topics that we don't often talk about. Um, and that's kind of what Dusty and I talk about is, is making this normal, uh, if you will, to discuss. Right. Uh, it's uncomfortable, you know, and for being a type A <laughs> person, uh, whether it be a veteran or a first responder, you know, if you were to tell me how you were feeling, I'm going to take that as an attack, right? right? Because it's my fault that I'm right. not communicating well. And so enable to get the pieces together so that we can sit down and discuss maybe the tone mm -hmm. uh, that I say it or the, yeah. the volume that I yeah. say it. I tend to be loud. Uh, um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's important. It really is. And I, I think we're in a good discussion right and now. What, what I try to do is I try to train couples together in what you do. It's like, well, what does John do? Well, he gets really, really loud and it scares me. It's like, okay, now, John, you know, you get really loud. Yeah, I do. And I have, when I'm in my zone, I have troubles with that. It's like, so is there some either word pattern we can use, or is there some kind of emotion or movement that wife can do? It's like, okay. There was one wife who just kind of went like this. It mean, okay, you need to calm down. And it was like a signal that only they knew. She could do it in the middle of a crowded place. And nobody would know what it was except for him. You know, it's she mm -hmm. just, they had gotten this system down where there was signals that she could give him or he could give her about this is what needs to happen. And it's training sure. yourself to think those through. And we don't, sure. in real life, we don't do that. I mean, even myself, I, you know, I just, re, we all just respond to things many times emotionally. And I've told people, if you think about it, most people, when you get emotional, you, you don't have to respond to something right away. Usually you can wait a minute and respond. 99.9% .9 of the things that we need to respond to, we can wait and hesitate. There's that one crisis experience where you have to respond right away. But usually you can sit and think about it. And I tell people, think for a minute, just kind of, okay, what's the best thing to do? What should I say? Or what should I do? Or get yourself together. Or I told one guy, take deep breaths. And his wife says, he sounds like a bull. He's going, <laughs> <laughs> but he's getting himself calmed down so he can talk to her, you know? <laughs> you know, yeah, that's and, one, and one thing, thing uh, for, go oh, ahead. go ahead. Oh, that's one thing, like, with veterans, it's good. It's the, yeah, you have that time. But what would you say to first responders in that? Because every day, that next call could be something you need to respond to very aggressively or it could be a treed cat you have to get down like we see in the cartoons i mean you know so what would you say to that because every call you're not sure what you're rolling up on i mean right. john was saying john made our newspaper for a call that was very similar should have been a routine stop and it That's ended up turning into something I get for helping my partner okay <laughs> she, you know i think when I talk about this, I talk with couples about this. This is after the fact. It was somebody who's a first responder and is responding. Having, like you turn around, you have an ambulance call. You turn around, you have to get a cat out of a tree. You turn around, you have to help somebody who's you know been beat on or whatever. Um, it's not necessarily resolving it then. It's more when you go home, who gets the leftover? Who gets the leftover right. is your family. Right. And, and to learn right. how to – there's even one guy one time who <laughs> – some people have done the weirdest things, but they work. He would stand in his front yard and turn around three times because he was like shaking off the stuff and recalibrating and then coming, coming in the house. People say he's the weirdest guy who walks around in circles in his yard. But it's like, you know, if you really understood, you'd be glad, <laughs> right. you know, so right. there are things that happen like that, that. And it may seem weird to some people, but if it works for you, that's really the best and for the family. You know, and that's that's a good point is finding that um, 
you know, in, in unfortunately, I'm I'm with my work family probably more than my, I am my physical family. And when we talk about these uh, stressors or these uh, symptoms of PTSD when they flare up, it's also my partner at work that has to deal with that. And there's part of me that, um, you know, they quite fr frankly have never worked with or dealt with before, and that's a veteran. And so this one particular time, I, I lashed out how I know how. I became Sergeant Ramirez, and I, I let it go. And that deeply offended this person. And I said, look, 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 I am retired military. That's how I deal with things. I say it, and I'm done with it. But, you know, not saying it was right. But it was something that someone had never seen or never been exposed to or heard before. You know, it's not that I disliked the person. It was just right. that issue needed dealt with right then, right there, and I was done. Now, that was maybe a sign or a symptom or that 1% that you talk about that I fail at miserably almost daily. Um, but it's also something we, we need to talk about with our, right? And I know it's getting good when he texts me like 17 times a day, and I'm like, who is this? <laughs> but uh, um, it, it's something that those that are around us, we, we need to discuss. You know, it's not a sign of weakness. Uh, it's just um, you gain confidence when you start understanding yourself. Mm -hmm. uh, it's one thing to, you know, sit in a clinic all day and give others uh, <laughs> wisdom or counsel. Um, but it's another when you actually apply it in your life and then can give the wisdom mm -hmm. and counsel. You know, and the, I think the thing when you're talking about that, John, is um, – with your partner or even like the military, with their military, the people that they know. Um, <clears throat> sometimes I think being able to own that that was inappropriate because many times in the military or in your thing, you're used to just spontaneous reaction because you have to, you have to react in crisis. So you have to react right away every minute. And so when you have that and you're, you offended the person, it's almost taking, okay, now, how did I start to look before that? Because I tell people there were early warning signs that this is happening. Your system is starting to rev up. It's starting to tighten. You can feel it. If you really think about it, I've had people think about what's it like. Well, I get sweaty palms. It's the typical anxiety reaction. You know, I have all these, but you don't think about it. Your body's reacting before your brain understands you're upset. So if you can start understanding, it's like, if you don't know what it is, you could ask your partner, what do I look like before I blow like that? Well, this and this and that. Well, when I get like that, how about if we have a plan? How about if you do this? You know, whatever. If you tell me, John, I'm here. Or this is the police. You know, this is the uh, ambulance. It's not the military or something. You know, there was so th there was one one guy whose wife would say, we're not in the military. Or, you know, <laughs> I'm your wife or whatever. And all of a sudden it snapped him right back into, okay. You know, I'm in the right place. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. And that's I, Dustin's I feel, reacting to this. Yeah. I feel that's easier for veterans because when we snap out of what we went through, especially when you're going when you're talking about nightmares, flashbacks, uh awakening flashbacks, mm -hmm. you know, stuff like that, mm -hmm. it looks different. I mean, I'm sorry, my area or where we live does not look like that's Iraq. Right. So when I snap out and I can look around, okay, I can see where I'm at. Like, well, look, right. Um I think it's a little bit, yeah, it's a real tree. <laughs> there is a tree. <laughs> I can't no, I'm with you on that one. Um, but it, what would you say, and this is something that I kind of ran into this week with uh, somebody called because uh, they knew about what, mm -hmm. what I do and then what we do on here and Warriors Hope. And they called and they said, we have an individual in our family who is substance use, angry, mood swings, I mean, all the classic signs, but doesn't see it. And it's mm -hmm. tearing his family apart. So Ken, what, what do you say to the family members that could be listening to this, you know, next week, next mm -hmm. year? And they're thinking, well, you know, you're talking about somebody who's in counseling. I'm, I'm dealing with somebody who mm -hmm. doesn't even think they have a problem. Right. A lot of it is trying to stay healthy yourself instead of 
a lot of times the spouse blames himself. It's like, okay, well, I'll be quiet or we're going to have the kids tiptoe around the house because Johnny is mad when we wake him up or whatever, you know, or, he's, or he comes in the house. Starts he's picking on you, John. I'm, I'm really <laughs> <picking> that. <laughs> or Dustin, or we'll pick on Jared when Jared comes in and does nasty things to his wife. <laughs> um, you know, been talking what I think needs to happen is the more healthy she can be or the spouse can be where, where it might be, you know, well, he's having a bad day. I'm sorry, having a bad day. You know, I'm going to go finish cooking or whatever. And she go, and it's like kind of leaves you with, okay, this is not mine. This is yours. And I know it's hard, but it's learning ways to manage it. And I think the thing is, it really has communication with both of you where she needs to talk to the, um, or the spouse needs to talk to the uh, trauma victim sometime and say, look, I, we got to come up with a plan is when you get upset, I know you're not mad at me, right? It's like, right, I'm not, I'm just having a moment. It's like, okay, when you're having your moment, what do I need to do? What do you need me to do? Do you need me to hug you? Do you need me to, you know, stay in there and say, you know, what do you need me to do? Like Dustin was talking about, I call it log logistical things. It's like there was a veteran who used to put his, have his dog lay down by the bed on the same side of the bed that he used to put his weapon in the military. And so he would reach down to get, you know, when he was having his, his uh, response, and if he felt the dog, he knew he was home. Well, there are things like with first responders that it'd be hard because everything looks like something. And so it might just be get some kind of a plan to, um, with, with the spouse on how, you know, how do we do a logistical thing for you, get you back into your at home, you're not on the field or you're not. Does, does that, is that logical? Does that make logical sense, John? Oh, I can't hear you. Oh, and John, we lost your volume. So we, we lost Dustin, Dustin altogether, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, Dustin, Dustin lost all together. Now we can't hear John. Yeah. yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear hey, hey. Ken and uh, hey, you know what? Oh, yeah, yeah, you. Mike. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, was, I didn't want to interrupt Ken. He was on a roll and, and that's what happened, right? Um, no, it does. It, it makes very good sense. Um, looks like Dusty's working on his connection. Yeah. We'll get him back as soon mm -hmm. as we can. But uh, no, it's, that's all good stuff, you know, and, and we find that. We find um, family that is dealing with a loved one that, that doesn't think they have a problem. And that's, mm -hmm. you know, when we started this podcast and, and uh, we really encourage spouses to come in uh, because, um, you know, it, it, the responder or the veteran may not be watching this. It may be a wife or a daughter or a son. And so we want to make sure that they're properly equipped to, to deal with their loved one as well and, and uh, hopefully encourage them to get the help that they need. Um, Many times, it's not Many times it's like not treated well, like well, it's I'm a... talking to Dustin to get him back. Oh, okay. It, it, okay. It's almost when spouses experience the, or families experience the, the trauma reaction of the person, the first thing they think of is either did I do something or they whacked out, you know, do they have some struggles or whatever? And it's, are, are they mentally losing it? And I think to help, this is what I do in counseling, is to help the couples understand, or even, I mean, we do reintegration coaching is what we call at Warriors Hope because it's not really counseling, it's just helping them to reintegrate things. And so um, what I would tell them is that what you need to do is figure out um, how to understand that they are not mentally deficient. Their brain is overactive, not underactive. It is overactive and, way, and reacting too much to the situation. So now we got to kind of bring them in and, and help them to see, no, that's not, I know if, if anybody else ever saw, saw the American Sniper, the one part that this really relates to is when he's uh, near the end, I think he's at a birthday party yes. with his, his child mm -hmm. and he's going to go kill the dog. <laughs> yeah. And if everybody remembers what, what his wife said, he says, you're at home or you're with us. All of a sudden, he snaps out of it. They had obviously worked a plan out that when she hollered that, it, it triggered something in him and located him again. Right. Recentered him, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Yeah. And that, and with a first responder, I would think it'd be hard because there's got to be different things that you can do that would not look like work because work could be anything really. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and, and how do you put something on like, you know, put a, a tag on that, I guess, you know, right. uh, um, you know, for first responders and I'm, and I'm speaking, I guess only on my behalf, uh, mm-hmm. is, you know, although we are um, how do I want to say this? We're exposed to different traumas repeatedly. Mm-hmm. Uh, there will be a trauma, at least, um, that is going to be the trigger. Okay. Right. Um, uh, sorry, I'm just reading a comment here from Jules. Uh, <laughs> she was talking about how she once thought a panic attack was a food allergy. <laughs> Remember that. <laughs> yeah, peanut butter but, uh, you know, allergy. <laughs> you know, and it's funny that that she. I guess she says that because I do recall a time I was on. I was taking a break with uh, one of the one of the other officers in one of our local gas stations, and uh, we were we were drinking a soda, and and um, oh, I had a flashback to Texas. There, we were drinking a pop, and uh, <laughs> and I remember like commenting like, "Wow." I, it feels like I'm having a freaking heart attack. Mm-hmm. Like I couldn't explain it. Like my chest was so tight, right. you know, and I, and I realized as I started getting that chest pain, my, my uh, palms were getting mm-hmm. sweaty and, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm legitimately thinking I'm about to have a heart attack. And, uh, it, you know, looking back at it now, it was little did I know it was just a symptom of, of, a uh, anxiety mm-hmm. attack. Right. Um, you know, and, and, and we don't that, think we ever have those. Right. And some of that, I think, Many times when people have come into my office, um, or even when I talk to people, they think, uh, you know, they've talked about anxiety and depression and PTSD and trauma and all that stuff. It is They're so similar, it's hard to tell the difference, but you can use the same kind of technique. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're having, if you came and told me, Ken, you know, felt like I was having a heart attack yesterday, I had the sweaty palms, I, had, I said, you know, it sounds like you were having some kind of an anxiety reaction, whether it was a physical, it might have been that your body was feeling it was having a heart attack. I call that emo- um, physical anxiety. Okay. You can have physical anxiety and physical depression where your body actually is doing symptoms of depression and anxiety. Um, and your brain interprets it that as anxiety or depression or whatever. And so what I've done is I've had people, okay, when you start getting the sweaty hands and when you start feeling like, take some deep breaths and relax or you know, do the deep breath in, seven, Hold for three and out for 10 or however you want to do it. You know, it's you, you focus on equalizing your breathing or, or calming your heart down. And then you'll notice if you are having a heart attack, well, it'll keep going. Mm-hmm. But if not, it's going to calm down. <laughs> right. So I should, or you'll should, pass should, out. I, should I have taken those baby aspirins? <laughs> First. Right. Or at least baby aspirins would never hurt. <laughs> right. <laughs> Dusty says it was a gourmet peanut butter too. <laughs> Not allergy. I remember him calling me about that. That was a very interesting evening. <laughs> well, you know, I find if 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 Jules is calling for help, it will be interesting. Just oh, sit yes. back and relax. Just sit back oh. and wait for the show to start. He, he, does, he doesn't tell you this, but she had called me before too. Without, I don't know if he knew it or not, but she called me sometimes and said, "What do I do?" And I think that's real key for a lot of people. You need to find people, even the spouse and the family need to have people that are safe to talk to and say, I really am struggling with this. I love them or I love her, but it's just, I don't know what to do. And to have some, don't have to have a therapist, just somebody who can help you kind of process through it's not you. It's really, he doesn't really hate you. It's just, he's having this reaction again, you know? Absolutely. As you're working through it. You know, and, you know, as, as, man, how do I even say this? Before I began my journey of getting help and getting fixed, um, as a law enforcement officer, when we were responded to a mental health call, we tried to get rid of it as fast as we could. You know, uh, it's not a police matter. I don't care, right? On to the loose cows, something, right? Cows in the roadway, whatever it is, but this isn't, this isn't me. I'm not a professional. And so, you know, they started changing some mm-hmm. of the training. Um, you know, just, just today I, I did another annual training on uh, excited delirium, you know, uh, EDP and, and, um, 
you know, but, but years ago that wasn't right. a thing, you know, you, you just, they were just high. And mm -hmm. so, uh, as trainings got better and awareness became better, um, we just have to understand that there are things outside of our control or our understanding. Right. And <clears throat> since getting help for myself and, uh, my work as a uh, trauma response, um, crisis critical uh, response person, as well as this podcast, when I respond now to someone in a mental health crisis, um, you know, t today I <clears throat> got to meet a, a young lady that was, you know, probably five years ago, I'd have loaded her up in a bus and sent her to a loony bin, right? Because that's what we do. You know, yeah. it's not a law enforcement issue. It must be a medical <laughs> issue. Right. Um, and, and I just did this last week and I might even have fibbed about my name, <laughs> gave our new guy some props. I, I gave the, the lady her, his name, but anyway, so for this scenario, I'll be Kyle and, uh, <laughs> and you know, I found that if you just sit down and listen and that, and that's what this woman said, you know, she says, if it wasn't for COVID, I'd give you a hug because no one had ever listened mm -hmm. to how she was feeling. Right. They heard what she was saying, but never listened mm -hmm. uh, in in a way to provide her help. Mm -hmm. And this uh, this individual today had a cutting behavior, right? So they mm -hmm. would cut themselves to to get themselves out of whatever mood they were in. And sh they felt that they uh, their family was better off without them, which I think sometimes our veterans feel that way as well. Mm -hmm. uh, because, you know, for a veteran, it's, I found it's really easy for us to cut everybody out. Yeah. You know, uh, my daughter, when she was uh, getting ready to leave for college, I told her like a month before she was leaving, out, moving out of the house, I said, honey, I, I, daddy loves you, uh, but don't be upset. I'm going to start cutting you out of my life. <laughs> She's like, what? <laughs> I'm like, no, 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 no. I, I said, I, I need to do this for me because if I don't, and you just, you know, we, we maintain this bond that her and I had and you mm -hmm. all of a sudden one day I woke up and you weren't home anymore. I'd be a basket mm -hmm. case. So I, it was just like another deployment mm -hmm. in my mind. Um, start preparing myself that for, you know, the next little while, my little girl's going to be gone and, mm -hmm. and she'll move out and she'll do well and I'll be fine. She'll mm -hmm. be fine and all is well in the world. Um, so it's kind of some thinking like that, but I don't know how I got off on that tangent. See what happens, Ken? But that fits. It fits, though, because I talk to people about having new patterns. Because, like, when the veteran, I've talked to more veterans and their spouses or loved ones that have said, you know, well, I, I married him after his first deployment. He went on three others. He became a different man every time. And now I don't even know who he is. And I would imagine first responders have that. Your wife may remember when you weren't. And say, right. boy, he's a different man, right. you know, or even when you have an, another severe trauma, you become different in times. And so it may be having new patterns, like with your daughter, it might have been saying it a little bit differently, but you know, it's almost like, you know what, we, I need to get used to you being gone. So we're going to do some disconnect. It's like we're doing disconnecting things. We're doing things where I'm pushing you kind of more to do things or whatever, you know, just or just telling yourself, I need to start doing some, it's not like I'm going to turn around and just see you later. Like right. the Huxtables, right. he, he, he puts the, um, the kid says, I'm leaving. He goes and gets all the suitcases and put them by the door and say, well, you're ready. I might have done that. <laughs> you know, so. I might have done that. But, um, you know, it's, yeah, I, it's in Dustin commented here that, uh, you know, veterans and first responders oftentimes feel that we're the cause for the pain and the trauma mm -hmm. uh, to the family. And that, and that is accurate. You know, any, I think, correct me if I am wrong, uh, Ken, but you know, I think anyone that suffers, um, and I don't want to say suffers, but battles a mental health problem, mm -hmm. um, they, they feel they're, they know they're broken. Right. Okay. Uh, and, and I think they tend to, uh, lean on the side that I'm the source of the problem, just like Dustin's mm -hmm. saying, because I'm the one that's broken. Right. You know, and, and that kind of ties me back to what happened today. You know, uh, this person had reached their wits end. Um, 
and was making statements that obviously alarmed me to the point, you know, honey, we need to go talk to somebody, you know, and it was an, an analogy that came, you know, I don't know where this stuff comes from sometimes, whatever, you know, and I'm, I'm sitting with her in the hallway cause her son was uh, at one end of the trailer and, and we're in the hallway. And, and I said, you know, she was upset because she, she felt she was hurting her family. And I said, well, you know, you admit you have a problem, you're broken. So I gave her the analogy of, you know, you're, whether you're a glass or a vase or, or whatever, uh, you know, at some point you experienced a trauma in your life and you were either, you know, knocked off the counter or, or fell and you're now broken. And so your family who's still, you know, moving about you and with you, those jagged edges can cause some injuries, you know, it can cut, cut them, it, it can cause them to bleed, it can cause them to hurt. But, you know, when you acknowledge you have a problem, you, you pick up all your pieces and you get help to put those pieces back together. And when you do that, those edges are rounded and they become less uh, uh, sharp, if you will. Right. You know, you can round those off and all of a sudden you find that your, your family is healing. Those, those wounds yeah. aren't getting reopened or recut and you're able to heal as a family mm -hmm. together. Right. And I think you're right, because what I've said with a lot of people is that our, our emotions many times are not good or bad. They're just uncomfortable. There are some comfortable and uncomfortable emotions. And so what happens is when you're having an emotional reaction, people are thinking, well, this is bad. If they just see that, no, this is just powerful right now. There's just a very powerful emotion going on right now. So let right. us try to calm down. You know, it's like, okay, he's having a powerful emotion. It's not going to It's not going to help if I'm more powerful. So I'm going to relax. Like right. I'll even do it. I mean, when I worked at Teen Ranch, we'd have kids. I was called in one time at two o'clock in the morning. It was, I almost started laughing when I walked in the house because they had these huge lazy Susans in the in the kit in the kitchen where you would put all the food and turn it around. Yep. Two o'clock in the morning, a guy had put a a big box of uh, cornflakes on the table and spun it. And there were cornflakes everywhere, just everywhere. And the whole house was in pandemonium. And I came in and the, and the thing I've learned to do in trauma and, and is just to be very calm, very quiet, slow moving, which is different for me. I'm not ever slow moving. And, you know, just like, and just, okay, what's going on? Because someone has to be in control because the person who is, have it, is upset knows they're out of control. They, I mean, you do, right? right? When that happens and does that, you know at a point where I am not connected mm -hmm. here. And then it makes you more vigilant and more, I have to, so it becomes Correct. worse Correct. and worse. So somebody needs to be in control and say, okay, John, or okay, Dustin, we can get through this. Let's get through this. And it kind of deflects or, or talking about, you know, I, we had a son who would go into anger outbursts and we just finally ended up said, Troy, I love you. And all of a sudden he would calm down just because he needed to feel connected again. Mm -hmm. We didn't know that, but we had to learn right. that. Yeah. Well, uh, speaking of the kids, so we've talked about the secondary trauma with spouses and, and how a spouse mm -hmm. can get languished to, uh, to work together. Right. Children are still learning their emotions during right. this time. Right. And if mom or dad are a veteran or first responder and, and they have, and they have their uh, emotional moments, I mean, what can children do? I mean, I know we're not, you know, we're, we're not really geared toward kids, but I'm right. sure a parents can see this and go, Hey, you know what I learned? And, and you can start looking at that. So can, what have you found is helpful, helpful for the children of these families? I think for the child to understand that emotions are not dangerous. They're just, powerful. And so for the child to see when daddy's screaming and yelling and throwing things, it does not mean that he doesn't care. He doesn't love people, but it feels that way. The kid will say, but you know, a 10 year old boy or 10 year old girl will say, but it feels like daddy doesn't love anybody or I get scared. It's like, yeah. So what you need to do is talk with mommy about where, where do I go to feel safe and to just let mama know that when daddy's, when I'm feeling unsafe, I'm going to go here or talk to my friend or whatever, you know, there could be a variety of things that it's almost helping the child to see that, you know, it's the kid many times thinks it's their fault. If I had done something better, it wouldn't have gone that way. And to help them to understand that they're going through a struggle 
And when you go through a struggle, what do you have to do? You have to get yourself together. That's what mommy and daddy tell you. Get yourself together. However you do it, you know, go to your room or calm down. So maybe mommy and daddy need to learn to do that too. So you need to have some time where you can maybe go in color. Or I had one kid, you know, sometimes in the family be yelling. He would go into his room and put on his earphones and listen to music. And it wasn't, after a while, he wasn't upset. It's like, oh, here it comes. And he'd go in the bedroom, turn, turn on his music, and come back out when it's calm. I mean, it was, it was his way of calming himself down. So there's, with that kind of thing, I would say a child would need to go to somebody who is either a professional or someone that could at least talk to them about it because that's hard on children. It always right. is. And, you know, I, I can't agree with you more um on that topic you know as parents well i guess let me say this as children you know they feel that way a lot of times because it's they have this innate ability to um or desire to please mom and dad yeah uh you know so so that's partially why they feel it's their fault like you know i i want to I want to see mom smile. I want a hug from mom. You know, I want to sit on dad's lap. I want to play with dad. Um, so that's why when we get into those episodes, um, children feel that it's their fault. Mm-hmm. And with emotions, you know, I correct me if you're wrong or if I'm wrong rather, <laughs> but uh, you know, uh, emotions is, is a really, it's a, it's a truth, Right. Truth is uncomfortable. We we can't put, um, you know, we I, I can't I can't tell you can you can't feel that way. I can't tell you that you shouldn't you know you you shouldn't be upset, right? That's an emotion you have, and it may be uncomfortable to you, but that's how you feel. It's a legitimate feeling. Right. And so I think with our children, we have to legitimize their feelings or our spouses. Mm-hmm. Um, we have to legitimize how they feel and say, you know, you feel that way and, and, it, and it's not wrong. You know, just maybe I, we have a wrong view or a wrong opinion. And, and again, it goes back to the communication. We need to talk about it and how to properly address those feelings when they are uncomfortable. And, and sometimes the kid may react when you're not. They may be going through some anxiety, worrying about, is daddy going to do this tomorrow or today? And so then when they get emotional, what happens? Mom or dad crack the whip and say, you know, get your attitude together. Uh, and you're right. It might just be a family that is having emotional issues on a regular basis need to sit down and talk about emotions. That emotions are not bad. They just feel uncomfortable sometimes. So when you start having ba- emotions that feel bad, we need to not lash out at each other. We just need to do something, whether it's I need to have time out or I need to go for a walk. I mean, some people think we have to sit here and deal with it. And I've told people the most healthy people emotionally I've ever seen. It's like the <clears throat> the husband and wife having, st- it's starting to escalate. The, the guy said, I got to take a break. The wife understood that I got to take a break means I have to get myself together so I don't act like an idiot with you. So he goes out for a walk around the yard, comes mm-hmm. back, and he's fine. And gives her time to do that, too. So it's almost have families that have chronic issues like this need to start coming up with a, a pattern of how do we all handle, because one might get anxious, one might get depressed, one might get sad, all at the same time. And so what do we do with that? You can either let the emotion control a family or decide, okay, the emotion is a result of some thought process that we're going through that we're having troubles with. So we're just going to do the best we can. Maybe dad needs to take a couple breaths, or maybe it's like husband and wife have decided that when that happens, one of them says, don't you think you need to go to the garage and work on yourself? Yes, I do. He goes out there, and he doesn't do anything except for, you know, walk around the garage. Ken, can I get you to one more time? I, I, I'm, my wife's downstairs. I'm not sure if she heard you say that I need to go to the barn. You guys have to decide that together because then if not, then she goes through her trauma because you're in the garage and she doesn't know why. We were getting too deep there, Ken. I I hope your wife is feeling better about it now. (laughs) Had to reel it back with some humor. (laughs) Yeah. 
but you know, there's a lot of things and, you know, I've, I'm coming up with these just because these are things that I've worked with with other people. But even, I mean, everybody has had some type of trauma and even, I, you know, we could go off all, all over for this, but even the nation is going through trauma. Absolutely. I mean, there's anxiety and depression and nasty. I mean, the, the capital thing was an, a, a good result, a good picture of what happens when people are not communicated right. with and you're traumatized you go, it just gets out of control. And it always does. It always gets out of control if somebody is not heard or felt like they may not be understood. I mean, your wife may never understand what mm -hmm. you're going through, but she may be able to say, okay, I understand you're having a problem with this, which could be the most caring thing to say is, I know you're struggling with this. What can I do to help? Because really it's your... The family doesn't understand sometimes. She'll say, well, that my husband's an idiot, and that's why he does that, and it's his fault. It's his issue. Yeah, it's his issue, but it ends up the whole family's issue because it's affecting everybody. So everybody needs to kind of take their responsibility for their part of how it's going and say, how am I going to react to dad when that happens? How am I? And then sister, how am I going to react? And mom, how am I going to? You know, so everybody has to figure out how am I going to react to this? That. That's a, a, a very good point that you made there that um, this isn't just my problem. You know, it's leading over to the family and we have to take um, responsibility for that. And I think that's a good spot to end the show. Uh, I'm taking over Jared's right, job now. Right. But, uh, uh, you know, just real quick, I, I want to make mm -hmm. a point. Um, speaking with someone and uh, when we talk about our, fir our female veterans and our fir female first responders, one of the things that bother me, uh, and this isn't sexist in any way, but um, men are not emotional creatures generally, right? Would you agree with they that? Don't show, they don't show their emotions. Very we are good. very emotional. We just don't show it or aren't given permission to do it. Or appropriately. Yeah. So what would you say to our female veterans and mm -hmm. female first responders who describe themselves? Cause this happens after repeated right. trauma. I feel dead inside. Mm -hmm. Does that, does that concern you as a doctor? Well, it, I'm well, not a doctor, but yeah, well, it does. Right. <laughs> um, it, it, it does concern me because what happens is a wife and a mother, a mother especially has a mother's heart. And in uh, and a, and a military mother may have troubles with that because her heart may be turning off because of the trauma that's happened and that scares her because now I don't feel like a mom. I feel like I'm numb there. So many times it's that I think with women helps a lot with having other women around, whether they're military women or not, to be able to nurture that it's okay to feel again. It's okay, you know, because uh, uh, it seems like that the women that I've dealt with have, have the bigger struggle with it because I need to be emotional. I need to be a mother. I need to care for my child. I need to care for my husband. And I can't. So now that's even worse than with a guy because a guy goes up, you know, I can walk out the right. door and I don't particularly care. I mean, I hate to say it, but that's how it kind of goes. Right. A guy can compartmentalize it. I think a woman has troubles compartmentalizing, even though she's learned to do it as a first responder or as a military person. I think it's hard for them because that is – part of who they are is their emotion and mm -hmm. and doing that and and their emotion makes them able to connect and all that stuff so sometimes we've worked at rekindling that it's like what is something that you could do that would rekindle right. that that would maybe right. sit with some other moms or go to a mom's day at the park or or um, even be able to talk about your children or it's just something that would help them to rekindle that and and to bring that back because they're Absolutely. wanting it back. They just don't know. How Absolutely. To get back. Absolutely. Ken, very well said. I think great, and great I think it is important to leave out. And, yeah. Absolutely. You know, I just want to make sure that our female veterans and our female first responders understand that they are not alone. Right. Um, these feelings are legitimate and they are shared across the platform of uh, socio and economic um, realms and uh, you just need to build and edify each other and support each other as we're all going through this. Um, so, Ken, I, you know, this is my first time to meet you. Uh, we were trying to get together before you, uh, after you left, 
and came back from vacation what seems like a year <laughs> ago. Uh, but COVID, COVID yeah. kind of messed with us. Yeah. And uh, I can't thank you enough mm -hmm. for coming on tonight. Uh, this is probably probably one of my favorite shows. Thank you very much. Well, this has been great. It's been good to talk to you guys because I was thinking more and more as Dustin has done this that we really need to have first responders understand that we will help. I really feel like that Warriors Hope could help them because you guys are warriors too. You're just not the same type. I mean, you have some different things going sure. on, but not the same type. I know how I put it, but you know what I mean. Right. I got you. Jared, <laughs> we, we, we know the meaning behind They're the thing, right? I, guess, I mean, so so to finish up, uh, so Dustin does, you know, he mentions that this needs to be planned out by the family when things are calm. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, this way there's a plan before the storm hits. I know we've touched on different episodes on uh, there's always plan. There's a plan for everything as a first responder mm -hmm. or military. Uh, this needs to be part of your plan, too. If you've got a family, mm -hmm. uh, make a plan now before the outburst happens. So, so your family is ready to, to, to get through that together. And I've told a lot of families, military or not, first responder or not, that the biggest breakdown in families today is because there is no plan. Mm -hmm. We just run into family and just keep on doing it instead of planning. Right. So. so awesome. Thank you very much, Ken, for coming on. And sure. uh, we'll, thank you uh, so much. So we're going to wrap this up. Well, thank you very much. Uh, thank you to everybody listening. Uh, remember, uh, surviving danger close and warriors hope is always out there to help mm -hmm. all right now let's see if i can find the end button again without uh going see you guys later. done before take I mean. care ken thank you again it was, have a crazy it was great year. being on with you i hope we can do this again sometime oh we will